Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis and Benjamin Holden. So this week we have a, a special guest with us again, very, a returning, very returning guest. guest, Mr. Nick Capo, I Nick Wickham. So welcome back, sir. Thank you very much for having me back, guys. Some of you will remember Nick as he was one of the leading advocates for keeping gyms open during during lockdown. And we're going to tell you a little bit more more about his story today. But first, I thought you say spruce first, time. Let me take pour, a selfie. Pour Nick a drink. Do you remember that song? Pour Nick a drink. I'm going to play. Very rude. Let me. Do you know what? I'm really bad at pouring. That's why she's not allowed in the whiskey room. I like that nothing's changed. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing changed. Am I going three glass? Three I'm glass. Do a three mean? glass. So this is spruce water. If you guys are listening, sorry, Ben, you can have that one. That's got a bit less. Than. <laughs> um, if you guys have been listening to the podcast, this is spruce water. Okay, this is a raspberry and elderflower. We'll do a little cheers. cheers it's got eight multivitamins in. I have had them after every single run. Clink. <laughs> That's like when you, you know when you have a tea party. Even even <laughs> even if you don't like it, Nikki God, so you like this. Do you know what that flavour is delicious? That is actually really good. That is delicious. That's the best one I've tasted so far. All the yeah. flavours. What's that know, one? Wild so cherry. Is, no, this is raspberry and elderflower. Nice. I literally, I mean, to be fair, I love anything fruity and quite sweet. That's yeah, quite like sweet, sweet to me. Um, but yeah, so this is from Spruce Water. We have the code NOTSOFIT30 and it gives you 30% discount when you get a free tote bag. Yeah. I have three of the tote bags now. And they're in these little sachets as well, so I'm actually going to take some of these to Dubai when I go next week. Oh yeah, that's cute. Just because I know I'll be boozing, drinking, not probably training that much and just be hanging out my arsehole. So I need something that's going to give me a bit of goodness in my life or some way. I wonder which of the vitamins helps with a hangover. Maybe we should we should have a look at that because I bet them. one of them is like specific because this has like eight in water and vitamin. Anything that's going to make me feel a little bit more yeah, human again. Make it yeah, so the link will be below for you guys. Uh, make sure you click it and get you discount. And the link is spruce-water.com forward slash not so fit. Who said that? Where did that come from? <laughs> get fruity. The voice of God. <laughs> get fruity. Back to the podcast. So Nick, welcome. Firstly, sir, talk us through what happened and how you ended up back in Her Majesty's custody? Well, from the back of all the COVID exposure, as most of your listeners, I assume, will remember, we had a ton of exposure. We took a stand against government for what we felt was an injustice against the, the fitness industry and mental and physical health in general. With that victory over government, we annoyed a lot of people in a lot of senior positions. <clears throat> and coming out the back of that, I'd made myself a little bit of a target and rolling into the summer of 2021, uh, the authorities had gone back very nearly four years and pulled up some some debt on me from you know many years previous, which I hold my hands up to it. I was completely guilty of it. Mm. But they kept this, they kept this particular offense for as i say very nearly half a decade and done absolutely nothing with it whatsoever and my understanding is that it wasn't it wasn't worth pursuing it wasn't you know it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't serious enough for them to to bother you know pr uh, prosecuting it and then once i'd made myself known and put my head above the the, the, the parapet they'd looked for a way to to bring me back down to earth and July, 2021, I was, uh, I was visited by the police. Um, 
big knock on the door first thing in the morning. And I, I initially thought it was the postman and I, 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 I'd woken Jade up to go and get the door because I assumed it was just going to be, mm. uh, you know, another delivery of another 6,000 dresses that she orders every <laughs> week. So, you know, I, I, we weren't expecting it. She answers the door, you know, a, a big, big squad of police come up the stairs and my first, my first thought was, it's COVID related. Yeah. You know, what, what is it this time, guys? Because I have a really good relationship with the police. Obviously, my history with the police is 20 years long. Yeah. But I have a lot of respect for the police. And I'm confident when I say they have a lot of respect for me because we've always, you know, they've got a job to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we've had a good relationship. They come upstairs. I'm like, what is it this time, guys? You know, what's 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 the accusation? So was this, was this out of COVID yet? Are we still in the COVID? Yeah. So yeah. we just, we were probably eight weeks post gyms opening again yeah. Yeah, the world kind of got back to some sense of normality middle of april i think it was mm-hmm. it was the 12th of april yeah. gyms reopened so we were probably six seven eight weeks past that but there was still a lot of restrictions and i'd had visits from police in the past when i caught covid when we'd come back from lanzarote in fact they'd had a report that i'd been in the gym whilst positive with covid and i had a visit from the police then and obviously they, they checked the dates on my test and that obviously wasn't the case but you know you you get once you get a certain level of exposure, it comes with 0.5% of people that just want to cause you issues. <clears throat> so anyway, they've come up and they've said, you know, I had a conversation with them. I'm like, what's this about? And they said, well, we've got an arrest warrant from Jersey police. I thought, this must be a mistake. I've not spoken to anybody from Jersey whatsoever for, for many years now. And they were, well, we can't tell you any more than that. We've got uh, warrants to search your home address and the business address and to take you with us back to Jersey. And they executed the searches. They they obviously found nothing because it's been many, many years since I've been involved in, in that world. Um, and it wasn't until I got to Jersey, we landed uh, in Jersey Airport and I met one of their chief customs officers and he said, Nick, this is from May 2018. Um, and I said, what, what, you know, what's, what's, what's the reason for the delay? He said, oh, you know, uh, COVID in 2018, COVID. Mm-hmm. So there've been two years up until COVID where they hadn't done anything with it. Then there was the year of intense COVID restrictions and then there was more time after that. So that it didn't make any sense why they'd waited so long to act on it other than, you know, what, what I've said. It seemed a targeted attack to to make an example out of me, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and then <clears throat> I was on remand for probably six months in Jersey prison. And then it come to sentencing, which was the January of this year. Uh, and they gave me three years for what would have been for any other person, a non-custodial sentence. It would have been highly, highly unlikely had it been anyone but me, had, they'd have been given a, an actual jail sentence for what it was that I was charged with. Um, and even if they were to have had a, a custodial sentence, it would have been somewhere in the region of 12 months, but they gave me three years for that offense. And within that three years, I was given two sentences for the same offence and that's the first time in the history of Jersey courts that that's ever happened in hundreds of years it's never happened before and it probably never happened again and it it was quite the solicitor that I hired was one of the most prestigious if not the most prestigious lawyer on the island he said Nick in my 30-40 year career I haven't seen anything like it he said take what you want from that but I've never seen anything like this whatsoever and you know that that's kind of how everything played out Uh, I naively thought going into it that everything that I'd done with my life in the time since was going to work in my favor. Mm-hmm. All the charity work that we'd done, everything that we did through COVID, you know, everything that a 
everything that the the justice system requests and requires of people who come out of that world i'd achieved it tenfold mm -hmm. i'd turn my life around completely i you know i i'd <clears throat> i'd become a, a an advocate for mental health for reform you know i i'd had articles in fact even in jersey's local newspaper the jersey evening post they ran a big four page uh article on me you know from and it read from free runner to drug runner and then from prison inmate to community hero so you know i'd, I'd, I'd been getting recognition for my rehabilitation for my reform and for the good work that i was doing and i was naive enough to think that going into sentencing that would have been taken on board and instead, it was just used as more ammunition to to make a bigger example. To use an example, yeah, yeah. Can Can I ask when they sentenced you for three years, and obviously your lawyers being like, "This is I've never seen this before." Were you just not angry, like completely just angry? I I'm just trying to. You just, you see him obviously talking to you now. And we know you, but quite calm. But I I can't imagine the anger and the upset. For a long time, <clears throat> there was a lot of rage and a lot of resentment for the system, and it took me, it took me probably the best part of eight or nine months to go from, I've been let down by the system, and there's no, you know, there was a complete lack of any sense of meritocracy. You know, there was no recognition for anything that I'd done since. It was, you know, you're the bad guy. That's as simple as it is. And it took me a long time to, to see it in a different light, and the. You know, the, the way I conditioned my mind to sort of come out the other side of that, because if, if I'd have stayed on that, if I'd have stayed on that rage, it, it was consuming me, you know, it, it was it was taking over me at the time. And where I got to to get past that was if they'd arrested me for this offense at the time of committing this offense, I wouldn't have then had the chance or the opportunity to go on and do everything that I've done since. Mm -hmm. So as much as I was... <clears throat> A scapegoated or I was used to make an example if this had happened at the time of the offense I would have been in jail for COVID you know I wouldn't have met the people that I'd met I wouldn't have had the experiences that I've had I wouldn't have been able to impact lives the way that you know we went on to do with everything that we were doing so you know that that that's the only way I think I would have been able to process how much I'd been targeted mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense um because the first the first six months i was away was the the, the darkest chapter of my entire life and i, I you know I, I was crying myself to sleep nearly every night i was extremely depressed i had you know relatives that were severely ill at the time my relationship was in a, a really difficult place and it that that was <clears throat> i needed to get myself out of that rut or i don't think I would have ever been able to if I'd have carried on going down that path because it was a really dark time for me. And and there was no sort of catalyst for that switch in mentality other than I, I felt like I'd hit rock bottom. Yeah. And I just needed to start to start taking baby steps in the right direction. And that, that's when I kind of adjusted my mentality from I've been targeted, I hate the system, I resent the system to hang on. And, and you look you look around on a prison wing and you see quite how fortunate you are compared to the the normal i don't want to say the stereotypical but the, you know the, the average prisoner has nothing they have no family network you know they have no one to come home to they have no one that loves them or thinks about them they don't receive letters they don't have phone calls they don't have visits and once you once you start looking inwards and you start looking outwards on the wing you realize well hang on i shouldn't be feeling sorry for myself here i mean sure i, I can but you compare yourself to to 
other situations in there and you realize quite how for fortunate you are mm. and just taking little little glimpses at other people and their situations you realize okay well i may have run a bit of bad luck here but i still have so much mm. to be thankful for you know I, i'm coming home to friends and family and and you know my, my businesses that my staff you know were absolutely incredible in, in keeping going so I, you know it was just a combination of little things that got me out of that dark hole and changed my mindset from where was me to I'm really looking forward to coming home despite what's happened and and you know I I am going to get through this and it is only temporary and it, you know it does get hard at times to <clears throat> to see it as a temporary situation because you've got 23 and a half hours a day locked in a you know a, a room that's as small as a, a box bedroom with nothing else no one to speak to you just got daytime tv which is you know it's it, poisonous in itself advert after advert news after news death misery war you know it, it's hard to pull away from that but i think it was a little bit easier this time because unfortunately it wasn't the first time i'd been there and i yeah. knew that you know it will end was it yeah. quite different your experiences <coughs> well, in, the, in those situations even to we we spoke to mo galda about this who was the old um cbo google x and he talks about that down it's called like downward gratitude so looking down the the kind of pipeline a little bit of people less fortunate which helps you then realize that you're in a much better position so it's i think that's important but the thing that i was going to say is how what's going through your head that morning like you're, you're about to wake up have your cocoa pops or your cornflakes and then instead the police pop through the door and like whisk whisking you what's going through your head there and what was what was kind of the next thing so you get whisked off to the airport are you in cuffs at this point through the airport and stuff as well yeah so it's it, it's quite it's quite dramatic. And the difference this time around is the first time I was arrested in 2014, I was fully anticipating that day coming. <clears throat> and I deserved that day to come and I needed that day to come. You know what I mean? It, it, that My arrest in 2014 was essential to me turning my life around because I never would have had that opportunity had I not been arrested. That, that you know, that opportunity to reflect. And I, I took a lot away from that sentence and I spent three years in, in prison on that sentence and that, was probably the most important thing that's happened to me in the last 10 years and i am as crazy as it sounds i am grateful for that sentence this time around it was an entirely different situation you know i, I was at the highest point in my entire life i had the best network around me the best people friends that i love and that love me back I, you know I, I was in a great relationship everything that could possibly go right was going right so when that happened that day, you know, there's a sense of disbelief initially, and I, I there, there was genuine disbelief. I thought this this is this is an accident. This is somebody's put my name in a conversation mm -hmm. that's nothing to do with me. I'm going to get there, and they're going to say, "Oh, sorry, Nick," you know, go home. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and obviously, that's not how things transpired. It just got worse and worse and worse, and there was a lot of suspicious delays in the court proceedings all of which seemed to be uh, tactical to run my time over. And when when I was sentenced, my solicitor said to me, look, as I said, this has never happened before in the history of Jersey. We can appeal this. You'll get it knocked down. We'll bring your sentence down to some, you know, 12, 14, 15 months as opposed to three years. I said, okay, fantastic. How long will that take? Oh, the appeal process will take approximately six months. And that six months then would have taken me past my UK release date. It would have delayed my transfer home. So even if I'd have appealed my sentence, the time it would have taken me to appeal 
would have kept me in prison longer than me mm. having the three wow. years. So they, okay. they, and they deliberately delayed the court proceedings to get to that point because they were well aware of that happening, yeah. which is, you know, you, you, you simply can't win. And once I put my papers in to transfer to the UK, you then lose any right to appeal because you're then transferred to another jurisdiction and that's the end of it. Mm. So I, I couldn't win regardless. Um, but yeah, when they arrested me, you, 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 you're handcuffed, you're taken to the airport, police entourage. Uh, fortunately, the Liverpool airport at the time was was pretty quiet. Yeah, because um, of COVID and stuff. Yeah, it was still quiet. So we, you know, we've we've gone over with the police. And to be fair, to be fair to Jersey Customs, they were really decent with me. I had a panic attack in the back of the van as we were coming to the airport because you're in a. I mean, you've seen them. You're in a, you're in a cage in the back of the van, and I'm I'm really sensitive to small spaces. So I have a panic attack in the back of the van, crying my eyes. I crying my eyes out, hyperventilating, and you're not the smallest lads either. So yeah, I yeah. Just certainly wasn't at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I lost I lost lost about 15 kilo while I was away. Did you? But, yeah, but we'll get we'll yeah. <laughs> get to that. Um, but yeah, they were really decent with me. You know, they they took me over and. It was quite bizarre because when we landed in Jersey and I had this first conversation with the the, the one of the chief um, investigators from customs and we went back to the police headquarters and there was four or five customs officers there and they were seemingly aware of my entire situation and they took the time to come over to me and shake my hand and wish me all the best and apologize yeah. for the situation. That, I mean, I, I can only speculate, but that gave me the impression of all well, this, this, this instruction to come and get me has clearly come from someone higher up. Yeah, they were, you know, they were really decent guys, and they wished me all the best, which was strange. It was a strange situation For to sure. be in. Yeah, it mean? sounds strange. These guys really are arresting odd. me and yeah. charging me, but they're like, they're saying like, you, yeah, wish really you sorry well, about good luck. The, the, yeah. really sorry about this, Nick. Yeah, look, best of luck. Hope everything works out for you. Because what what had happened. The article that I, uh, I mentioned before in the Jersey Evening Post that come out in the February or the March of 2021, and it ran across two days. It was four big pages all about my rehabilitation and you know what I'd gone on to do since coming out of prison. And when I received my deps, which is like your court paperwork, it's all the evidence that they have on you, the witness statements, statements from customs, from police. When I received that pack. You see that they've had the evidence since May 2018. They had me bank my involvement, bang to rights. I put two people in touch with each other. They'd exchanged some cannabis. They had me completely banged to rights from May yeah. 2018. They'd done nothing. The the, the investig investigation. So, so went all those like found on something like a iCloud yeah, on, drive or something. On signal, yeah. So what had happened is a friend of mine had got in touch with me in 2018, a, a friend from Jersey, and he said, Look, I've been buying my my weed, my cannabis from the dark web, my contact's gone. Can you put me in touch with anyone? Yeah. <clears throat> and I said to him, look, I'm not. And they have these messages yeah. in black and white. I said, look, I'm not part of that world anymore, but I can put you in touch with one of my pals. Yeah. Spoke to one of my friends. He said, look, I, I don't want to speak to him directly. Will you Will you sit in the middle, essentially, for the first couple of yeah. times? I said, didn't want to, but okay. Yeah. And, and that that is obviously my mistake. Do you know what I mean? I should have just said straight away, no, you either deal yeah. with each other or, or not at all. So I've sat in the middle for the first two exchanges that they had. Come the third one, I was asked again, I said, look, this is the last time I'm involved. After this, you deal with each other directly or not at all. Yeah. I said, look, my exact words were, look, I, I, I'm, I left that life behind years ago. 
I've completely, my exact words, I, I've completely retired from that mm -hmm. life. And they've got this in black and white. They, they, they know they know what my involvement is. I've completely retired. You just do what you're doing. So then I left them to it. And this was kind of the summer 2018. And they'd gone on to do their own thing. And I'd not spoken to them since then. As far as I was concerned, that was, you know, I was out of the picture. A year after we cut contact, the guy from Jersey had got arrested in something not related to any of this. And they'd taken his phone. Now they'd sent that off to be analyzed and they've analyzed his phone and then they found messages in his iCloud that had been backed up from his signal application, which is an, mm -hmm. an encrypted chat and pulled the messages down from there. And then from there, they just sat on this evidence for years and done nothing with it. And then this article comes out in the March of 2021 in the Jersey Evening Post, you know, reformed character, mm -hmm. doing well, got the gym businesses, you know, references all the exposure we had, all the press. And then you can see in my depths that the investigation two weeks after this article comes to life. Now, that could be coincidence. It could not be. But why, why, why would they have waited three years or whatever to go, oh, okay, well, let's dig this out. It coincides perfectly with that article. So I think what's happened is they've, either, they've seen that and thought, this is a, a, a good opportunity for us to make an example out of someone. We're going to get a lot of press out of it. Um, it'll make Jersey look great mm -hmm. and we can bring him down off his high horse, which given that they had the messages of me even saying years previous, look, I'm completely done with this. I want nothing to do with it. And they have that as my very last message to this guy. And there's no messages after that whatsoever. Like I, I left them to it. And then they've seen everything that I've gone on to do and still thought, let's take this guy down, yeah. which is, is, and that's what really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm rightly so. But you obviously through that period during covid you were held up as the poster boy and rightly so for the movements that you made for everybody in the uk to keep gyms open and what's even more of a piss take now resurfacing this conversation is that boris johnson was just taking the piss off and parties and stuff anyway even though he closed all the gyms down but being put up on this pedestal for a long period of time when this next visit to prison happened did you feel like you had a backlash from any of those supporters or any people in general and, and also how did you deal with that because i know especially with media and social media people love to see the rise of someone come up but some people like to see that them fall, them fall even more they they do yeah uh, as i said earlier that when you receive that level of exposure you do get the 0.5 percent of people mm -hmm. who are hyper vocal you know in, in a negative way and when I when I went away, like the Jersey's prison system is luxury compared to mainland England. Oh, bless me. Flat screen tellies in your cell. You have Sky Sports, National Geographic, good food, gym access. You have everything you could possibly want. It, it it's essentially a, a a Pontons or a Butlins. You know, it, it's a holiday camp. Yeah. And my reception there was really positive from both staff and prisoners. It only holds 120 prisoners, something like that, as opposed to Liverpool, which is 1,500. Really? So I, I was comfortable there. I felt safe there. It was fantastic. and I, But I was conscious that when I come back to the mainland, I'd potentially be a target. Yeah. And queuing up to that, I tried to make myself look as unfamiliar as possible. I remember you, sh you showed me this photo the other day. Carl, can we pop this up on screen as well? Is yeah, this, this with the beard? This is this this is the beard. The yeah. beard. The beard. Yeah. This is my disguise. Um, so uh, you know, leading up to this transfer to the UK, and I was, I was nervous about it because. Sorry, why did that transfer happen? What? Why would you? So my, 
I'd put in a, tr a transfer request anyway, because if I'd have stayed in Jersey, I'd have served, their the laws are slightly different. So I'd have served two thirds of the sentence. So I'd have done two years out of three. Yeah. Whereas if I got back to the UK, I'd have served and did serve uh, 13 months. Okay. As opposed to two years. Yeah. Now I'm on electric uh, electronic tag uh, monitoring and then I'll have probation, but they don't, they don't facilitate that over mm -hmm. there. Okay. So I needed to get back anyway. But what happened was my, the closest relative I have or had at least was my grandmother and she was really poorly when I come away. Uh, and she passed away in the April, maybe. She was, she was really, really ill. And this was another, this was another staple of my mitigation in court that my lawyer used because, you know, I, I was very involved in my nan's care as i say she's the closest relative uh, mm. but it's the closest thing that i've had to a mother in my entire life you know and, and she was really really poorly when i come away uh, and we requested bail so i got to jersey on the thursday i spent the night in the police station friday i was given bail in court and the judge you know uh, my, my lawyer stood up give my spiel you know next one x y and z he's, he's a reputable person he's not going anywhere can we give him bail whilst, you know, the proceedings go on? The magistrate says, I see no issue with that. He's clearly not a risk. It's years old. We're not we're not concerned he's going to interfere with the case. Let's give him bail. But the condition is I want you to come back on Monday to court and have a GPS tag fitted so we know where you are and you're going to have to stay on the island. No problem. Had the weekend in Jersey. Jade flew over. We spent the weekend in Jersey. Go back to court Monday morning. See my solicitor in the morning. He said, look, Nick just a formality we're going to be in and out get your tag fitted we'll literally be five minutes at most then we'll go back to the office and we'll we'll talk shop and we'll work out how we're going to navigate our way through this fantastic gets gets the court my lawyer comes out of the courtroom just before we go in and he has a a, a a terrifying look on his face i was like what's 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 going on he's like well they swapped the magistrate we've we've got bridget shaw this woman's name is i was like what does that mean he's like well you know, she's she's known for being quite over the top and she's recently been in trouble for misconduct doing XYZ. I said, well, does that change anything? He said, no. He said, it's, it's still a formality. We were told to come back at this tag. So he goes in court expecting everything to be normal. She hears the case. She recesses for 15 minutes while she's deciding what she's going to do. Comes back out and says that asks me to stand and says uh, she's going to ignore the fact that I was granted bail on the Friday. She's not going to treat it as a continuation. She's going to treat it as a fresh application. And as such, she denied me bail, said I should be remanded in prison immediately and told me I should expect six years or more for this offense. Bearing in mind that there's a, you get sentencing guidelines for each for each crime and each brackets. So you, you'll take, you know, whichever substance it is, whatever quantity it is, and that will give you between X and Y time. Like that isn't even possible within the, you know, the, the, the confines of the the guidelines. You couldn't get that sentence. But she's just shouted this out in court. Obviously, Jade's flown over. She's in the dock. She's crying her eyes out. I'm stood in the dock crying my eyes out because Jade's crying her eyes out. Mm. And they take me away. And that 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 that's the last time that I was outside uh, and that, that that's when I, I went away. And then I think I was in Jersey for probably very near a year, maybe nine months or so. And then I got my transfer because my nan passed away. And the idea was they were going to get me back in time for the funeral. 
and the Ministry of Justice, the, the very top, top had signed this off and said, get this man back to the mainland so we can go to this funeral. You know, he, he needs to be there. So they transferred me back to HMP Liverpool three days before the funeral. I get to Liverpool and they say, oh, we're not going to take you now. We're not taking you to the funeral. Cause, so you didn't, you didn't go? Nope. They said, she's not your mum, so we're not going to take you. Despite the fact they had my probation report, which basically has pages and pages written of my nan basically being my mother who mm -hmm. brought me up. Um, and I explained this and they said, well, is she legally your mother? Is the paperwork to say that she's legally your mother? I said, well, you've got 10 pages of my life story there mm -hmm. of how close I am. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So they, they stopped me going to the funeral and then... How did that make you feel? I think I was pretty numb at this point. Like I'd had that much of a run of bad luck between everything that had happened with the the court case, the sentencing, losing my relationship, losing my gran, you know, there were so many things that had fell to pieces. We had a, a you know a, a lot of a lot of bad luck with business, with the clothing brand, and we were just opening the second gym just as I come away. So it it was chaos, and we'd had that much bad luck at at this point now. This was in the June, I think, of this year. In fact, I, I was numb to it completely. Um, and I, I don't know whether I just compartmentalized that until I was getting home because the first few weeks I was home, I was I was very, very emotional and it kind of felt like I, that was like a release. Mm -hmm. So I think I just, you know, I'd stuck that to the back of my mind at the time and thought this isn't the time or place to try and grieve or be angry about the fact mm -hmm. I've not been allowed to grieve appropriately. So that so that's how I ended up in Liverpool anyway, and I've got there with my camouflage, my big long beard. I put my hair up in a in a uh, in a band. So that's what I wanted Cal to put on screen. Why why did you do that? Why did you create this disguise? Because prison is prison, at least on in mainland England, is a dangerous place, and you know for 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 much of what you see in the American movies, it's not. It's not quite like that. You don't really get the the racial gangs or the yeah. you know the 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 male on male rape. You don't really see that in the UK system, but you do see tons of violence every day. There's people getting their face slashed every day. People being swilled with boiling kettles full of sugar water that literally just melts your skin. Like that's a daily occurrence, and life is cheap. You could pay somebody five pounds worth of tobacco. And they'll go and slash somebody's face for you. Like life is doesn't matter who you are, how big you are. You could be biggest gangster in the world. You could be a professional boxer. It doesn't matter. What makes you a bigger target, I guess, as well. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter who you are or, or what your connections are. It doesn't matter because you're going to find somebody on the wing who's got absolutely nothing, no family, no yeah. money, nothing to lose. And if you could offer them five pound canteen, tobacco, vapes, whatever it is, you know they're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. They don't. They don't care. They're just going to end up getting put down in segregation or in isolation and be moved to another prison and just do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. And that's how a lot of these people get by because they have no other means to, you know, to, to get what they want. So I, I'd anticipated maybe having some drama because all it takes is one person that doesn't like you to have a friend in that prison. And you don't even have to be in there. You just, obviously there's a lot of mobiles in prisons. And if, if you don't like somebody and you know what prison they're in, you, you make a phone call and you put money in somebody's account. So you can yeah. have, you can just, whatever you want to happen do you know what i mean and there's no way you can run there's no way you can hide there's no there's no safe space they can put you on a which i never i, I know i never considered and never would consider but they have a vulnerable persons wing where they put pedophiles and people who are at high risk but even there you've then got 
pedophiles who are willing to do it anyway. Yeah. So there's no there's no safe place where you can go in prison. So I was anticipating maybe somebody who took a dislike and sued me was going to see me as an easy target whilst I'm in there. So I thought rather than take the chance, I'll go in as camouflaged as I can possibly go. Sort of get a feel for the, you know, for, for the for the climate in there, if you would. And I'm guessing this is because all the media attention obviously had before going in there. You were you were anticipating the fact that people would recognize you yeah definitely yeah because i mean anywhere anywhere we'd been going prior to me being arrested anywhere in anywhere up north restaurants anywhere anywhere i go it'd be oh you're the gym guy yeah mm. no one knows me by name yeah which breaks my heart <laughs> <laughs> i'll forever be the covid yeah. gym guy do yeah. you know what i mean but I, I recognized everywhere we go so i thought and i got to jersey and all the staff knew me the prisoners knew me and i was anticipating the same as i got to liverpool so i thought rather than take the chance let's go in not make a big deal of it try and stay under the radar and get moved out to a, a, an open prison as quickly as possible, which is like low security. Um, and I got there, staff recognized me. Prisoners, not so much. Because a lot of them, you've got to remember, a lot of the prisoners that are in there aren't part of our scene. They're yep. not part of the fitness scene or the gym scene. A lot of them are from, you know, they, they have very different interests, what mm -hmm. shall we say. So I went for the most part unnoticed by other prisoners, just noticed by staff, mm -hmm. which was, you know, I was grateful of that because I prepared myself for drama and I'd made a point of wearing full-length sweatshirts and full-length full tractor bottoms whenever I was out on the wing initially because I thought if someone's going to try and slash me, at least all I need to do is protect my face. Yeah. You know, there's no other skin on show. Um and there was nothing, nothing whatsoever, not even not even the, the smallest uh, comment or anything. I don't know whether that's because people didn't recognize me. I just didn't care. Yeah. But regardless, you know, that, that, that was the best result I could have asked for coming back to the UK. Um, we had some change when you got there as well, didn't you, in terms of you... I remember you saying to me that you kind of got in there and you thought you had quite a, a safe, cushy position almost, but then that changed in a couple of days. Yeah, so when, when I got there, so the, the, the previous time I was in HS, uh, HMP Liverpool, I had the reception orderly job, which is like the most trusted position in, in the whole place. It's kind of, kind of like, you know, you've seen Shawshank, haven't you? You know, yeah. Brooks and the lad, they're mm -hmm. in the library. You've seen that. Shawshank? Yeah, yeah, multiple times. Good answer. Good, good answer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a good film. Everyone needs to see yeah. Shawshank, mm. or at least lie and say they've seen Shinnacal. it. Shinnacal? Please. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we got to uh, have some serious words there. Yeah. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption. If you're listening and you've not seen that, yeah, watch it. it. Yeah. Million percent. So yeah, where they've got the library and mm -hmm. their, their trustees. Yeah. You know, and Andy Dufresne, he's got access to like the the, the office as an E. And so it's a position like that where you're trusted by the staff. You you they come and unlock you at eight in the morning, and often you don't go back till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, and you're off the wing all day. It's, mm -hmm. You know, there's about eight of us down there out of a prison of fifteen hundred prisoners, and it you know it's super trusted. So I've come back and thought, I'm going to get my job back. Because the week before I come, I got Kyle to contact one of the old prison officers who I kept in touch with and said, look, he's retired now. I said, any chance you can speak to the guys on reception, see if I'm going to be all right to get my job back. And he did. He said, look, Nick, everything's taken care of. Don't worry about it. Gets to Liverpool. Some different staff recognize me when I come in. Super positive. Come over, shut my hand. Happy to see me. What's happened, you know? Look, we're going to get you back down here in the next couple of days. Don't worry about it. It's going to be a nice, cushy number while you're here. Fantastic. So I get onto the induction wing now, which is like where you are for like the first two weeks. 
see more stuff on there that I know. A couple of female officers, oh, Nick, you know, I follow you on Instagram. Oh, fantastic. This is, this is comfortable. And then I bump into a friend who is a member at the gym I've known for a long time. He had the the savory job on the wing, like, you know, serving the food mm-hmm. at lunch, tea time. Um, he's like, me and you should get in the cell together. You're getting your job back. I'm on here as a, a savory worker. I thought this is fantastic. I've, I haven't seen anybody from home for eight, nine months. I've been so depressed. I've been in such a hole. Here I am now. People are happy to see me. I've found somebody, you know, who's a friend from home. I'm going to be in the cell with him. I'm going to have good company. I'm going to have a good job. You know, I thought this, this is it. This is this is how I'm going to ride out my last few months and I'll get my head in a better space. Can you do that, by the way, request to be in a cell with, with someone else? Yeah, they're yeah. quite they're quite flexible with that because if they see that as what's going to keep you calm, yeah, or suppose, you know, yeah. it, it works in everyone's interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first few days on the induction wing. All the staff are super, super positive with me. I thought this was fantastic. Gets to day four and a new senior officer appears on the wing who I'd not seen before. He he gets wind of the fact that these female officers follow me on Instagram and there's a lot of hype about me with the with the staff and some of the prisoners. God, that must be such a strange dynamic. Sorry to interrupt. It's just like people who are in there, prison not following you on Instagram. That that kind of <laughs> dynamic just mustn't happen in there. And yeah, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what that must uh, must be like. Yeah, and it, it it's it's one of them. You, you people took their position on COVID and everything that was happening. And it was so polarized and politicized that you were on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. There was nothing was down the middle, was it? Yeah. So, so the exposure that I got, you were either for or against. Uh, you know, you're very rare you got somebody who was in the gray area. So, meeting people in there were either going to be for mm-hmm. or against. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, the senior officer comes on the wing. He doesn't. I don't even think he was aware of the COVID situation. He didn't like the fact that I had support. And felt maybe a challenge to his authority. I don't know whether that's maybe, you know, uh, over-egging it a little bit. But he didn't like the fact that I had people in there who were who were happy that I was there. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It, yeah. was, it was a talking point for people because, you know, someone's off the news. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter whether they're the good person, bad person. If somebody comes in who's got a lot of exposure, it's a talking point, isn't it? Of course, right? Yeah, yeah. People are going to like to bad. talk about it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think he's seen that as, as threatening, whether that was to his ego or his position or what, regardless of what it was. So he then takes it upon himself to file a conflict of interest with the security department stating that he knows me personally and I can't be in the same mm-hmm. you know, proximity as him. I mean, he didn't know me at all. So as a result of that, I get rushed off of this induction wing and put onto G-Wing, which is, if I'm not mistaken, the largest prison wing in all of Europe. It is huge, and it is the it's the zoo of HMP Liverpool. It, it's it, it is like a Shawshank wing. It, you know, it's it's five floors high. It's really dingy. It, you know, it's 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 a it's a jungle environment. So the worst place you can potentially be on. It is the worst yeah. place. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, and given that given that HMP Liverpool was deemed the most unfit and undesirable and dysfunctional prison in the country. And then you're on the most dysfunctional wing in the most dis- dysfunctional prison gives you an idea of, you know, the, the type of environment that you're in. Yeah. Welcome so, home. Yeah. Welcome yeah. home. So, <laughs> so I ended up put on the fifth floor of G wing in HMP Liverpool because this guy had taken an issue with me. And now because he'd moved me off the induction wing by default meant I couldn't get my job back in reception. So he put the blockers on that. He'd moved me. So I was away from the one guy that I knew, taking me away from the staff that I knew, the job that I was going to have, put me on the top floor of the worst wing. 
and then spent the next five months locked up for 23 and a half hours a day with an, with an absolute stranger. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really tough. 23 and a half hours. So you had half an hour a day. Yeah. What? To do everything. To do to do what in that half? That seems... To shower, yeah. to do your food menu, to wash your clothes, to fill in any paperwork or applications or put letters in the box. Everything that you have to do, you have 30 minutes to do it now. That's if you get the 30 minutes. Because there's a lot of hostility in there and there's a lot of, you know, there's there's gang violence from outside that, that spills over into prison. Now, you're locked up for 23 and a half hours a day, so not you've only got half an hour to do all the things that you need to do, but that also means people who are looking for problems only have that half an yeah. hour. Oh, wow. So when the door opens, within 10 minutes, if somebody gets their face sliced, everyone gets immediately locked up, and that's you until the next day then. So all you've had is 10 minutes. You didn't get a shower. Tough Un- shit. Unlucky. But there was a queue. Unlucky. And, and that that's pretty much what you get so 23 and a half hours a day locked up you get out for your half an hour in the morning unless there's drama unless they're short-staffed you don't get chance to do anything and that is i mean we all remember what it was like in lockdown just being locked in our own house but still being able to go go for a walk watch television what you want to watch do what you want to do play on your phone you know refine that down to you're in your box bedroom with no phone, no laptop, no ability to go outside, no, you know, no, no choice in what you get to eat, what you get to watch, any of it, and then take somebody that you don't know, somebody that you likely conflict with on many levels, you know, in terms of both interests and morals, put them in that room with you. There you are. So who, who, who was that guy who was in the room with you? You don't have to name names, just what, what was the character? Very, very different to me. Um, had a very challenging upbringing, but was still at. I mean, I've been there myself. Do you know, I, I was a troubled kid, and I, you know, I've, I've been through some darkness in my life, and I've been a bad person, and that's where I was at, say, age twenty-one. That's where this guy still was at, like mm. twenty-five. Um, you know, and he he's obviously still battling his demons. Wasn't a nice guy. Wasn't nice to people around him you know, had a very negative view on the world and was very vocal about that view on the world. Um, you know, and we had very different personalities um, and that that was very, very difficult because, you know, it, being in a prison cell on your own is one thing. You've only got yourself to, mm. to sort of put up with. Having somebody else there who you don't gel with, you know, it, it, it's, it's not natural and it's not healthy. Does that cause think. any conflict? It didn't. But, you know, you can see how it gets there. I mean, I I didn't have long left on my sentence and I, I wasn't I wasn't looking for issues in there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and he was, there was no issues on his part with me. But it was just waking up every day knowing I've got another day with this person mm-hmm. and another day and another day and another day. And, and it, it's... I don't know. I think that's more difficult than anything because if you if you're on your own, at least you know I'm going to put on whatever I want to watch or I'm going to put music on or whatever else. But you have to constantly take that other person into consideration, no mm-hmm. matter what you're doing. What are you putting on television? What are you putting on the radio? How loud is it? When do they want to go to sleep? When do you want to go to sleep? You know, it, it it's it's not healthy whatsoever. And you know, as I say, I think we all know that from lockdown and the amount of you know the the the, the 
the mental health stats that come out of lockdown we yeah. know what isolation does to people mm-hmm. and that is you know prison is is covid isolation exacerbated 10 times you know it, it is it is the ultimate lockdown um i'm guessing you're pretty much running the ultimate 24 7 no not november as well <laughs> yeah exactly yeah there's another thing that you that you don't even you don't even think of at the time yeah there's obviously there's no you know there's no self-care there's no self-intimacy there, there, there's nothing like that yeah. what, whatsoever and you are you're sharing a, an open toilet with another human being which yeah. i mean I, i'm i'm you know, for 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 all the the crazy shit that I've done in my life, I'm quite prudish with stuff like that, yeah. with table manners and 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 f- for whatever reason, you know, toilet business stuff like that. I, I, that to me is a very private situation for people. But you are eating your dinner next to someone taking a shit. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, and it, it that that's that's horrifying. And uh, fortunately, the cell we were in did have a like a privacy door. But a lot of the cells that you've got, you just have a double bed, and at the end of the bed toilet. is a toilet. There's no door. There's no privacy curtain. You just have an open toilet at the bottom of the bed and you have to eat your food in your cell. So you have to go down and get your food, bring it go. back to the cell, eat it next to the toilet. It, it's, you know, it, it's so inhumane. It sounds five star, but... Is is there not a... Um, again, I've only seen it in films, so I'm probably super naive, but like a gym or like a canteen, you just didn't have any of it, it seems well, like. On that, sorry, I think a lot of people will be interested by this section alone. with will be the health and fitness part because you were the advocate of gym staying open and that was something you were getting taken away from again. So talk us through kind of that, what Lucy just mentioned about their whole health, fitness, nutrition, yeah, training. Obviously you lost quite a lot of weight as well. You mentioned before 15 kilos is Yeah, so I went in at 104 kilos and I come out at 89 kilos. Um, the, where do we go first? What do you want to do, gym or food? Go nutrition first. Go nutrition. A lot of people yeah, are interested about around like, the food that you get day to day, how much of it, times. So it works you get your breakfast in the evening with your dinner. So uh, every evening, yeah, yeah. In, in the evening when you get your dinner, you get given a breakfast pack is what they call it. And you get, you remember in primary school or at least in mine at lunchtime, you used to get given a small carton of milk. Yeah, with the yeah. straw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think most people can relate to that. Mm-hmm. I used to square mine, everyone all over the yard. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> You're annoying. <laughs> I can picture that, yeah. <laughs> So these are, so they're not even 200 mil, they're 189 milliliters. And it, it, it's, you know, your carton of milk is probably the size of the palm of your hand. Yeah. You get one of those and you get, uh, you know, the six pack variety cereals you get in the in the supermarkets and they've got Cocoa Pops, Kellogg's, Rice Krispies, little tiny things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You get about three spoons out of it. So you get one of those, like a, a, a prison version. So it definitely doesn't taste like the real thing. And your 189 mil of milk. That's your breakfast full stop. Oh, sorry. And you get a couple of tea bags. But you've only got enough milk for your cereal. That's, yeah. you know, tough shit. So you get that of an evening. So that's meant to see you into the morning. Now, I'll come back to that. To skip to lunch, what you get for lunch is you get a... So lunch is at 12 o'clock. You get unlocked and you've got to come down to the serving hatch. And you get given a sandwich. And the sandwich is, and I kid you not, sandwich is the size of the palm of your hand, one sandwich one sandwich size of the palm of your hand and as a filling you get say a slice of cheese you know you get the kids packs kind of thing you get a slice of cheese or you'd get a a singular slice of ham and a cereal bar like a really cheap cereal bar and an apple maybe an apple if you're lucky that's lunch so you're talking a few hundred calories and then dinner is not there until 
four o'clock. So lunch is at half 11 and then you get dinner at say quarter past four. Because obviously staff want to get home early. So you've got to eat your tea at quarter past four so they can get home early. So you come down for your tea and it's usually chips and something, potatoes and something, pasta and something. It's, it's quite carb dense, but you don't particularly get a lot of it. So it, it's, I don't know, you get maybe like a pasta bolognese with no bolognese. Basically bolognese flavored pasta because they don't want to use any mints. You get, you know, the, the, the meat content must be 0.0001%. No protein? No, none whatsoever. No, no protein. So that's what you have for your dinner. And then obviously by the time that's digested, six, seven o'clock, you're hungry again. So then you resort to your 189 mil of milk and your cereal for tomorrow morning just to kind of see you over. So you have that and then you are then doing essentially a, a, a what? 17 hour fast until lunch again the next day. So you, you're probably lucky if you're getting 1,300, 1,400 calories a day, if you're very, very lucky. So, uh, you know, you, you, you don't you don't see a lot of people overweight in there who haven't come in that way ordinarily, and people mm. come in heavy will leave a lot lighter. Obesity crisis, prison diet. Yeah, just go saying. to prison and, yeah. you, and, you, and you're sorted, yeah. Um, you can supplement your own diet. So, you know, you'll have seen in... in American movies and series, Orange is a New Black, you get a, a canteen. Um, I forget what else they call it over there, but like, like a, a tuck mm, shop, essentially. Yeah. Once a week, you're allowed to order from this this tuck shop, this canteen. Now, that is entirely dependent on you either A, having a prison job, which pays money, £7 a week, which I'll get to in a sec, or having relatives that can send you money in, in the post. Now, if you have a prison job, you're expected to work Monday to Friday, AM and PM, and you get seven pound per week for that job. So you're getting maybe sixty odd pence per session. So you're getting you're getting just over a pound a day, and that is for seven hours of labour. And that's you know, but uh, you'd be in a, a sweatshop stitching things up, or yeah. you'd be working in the laundry or whatever else. But you get seven pounds now. If you're somebody, and a lot of the people in there come from you know, underprivileged backgrounds. They've got no money, no family, no nothing. And that's how they've often ended up in the situation that they're in in the first place, you know, because of their environment. So they've got no one to help them out, no one to send them nothing, no letters, no visits, no nothing. So they have zero pounds, zero pence at the start of the week. So if they are lucky enough to get a prison job, and there's 1,500 prisoners in Liverpool, and you're probably lucky if, I don't know, 10, 20% have jobs because there just isn't enough jobs. You get your seven pound per week. Now that's got to do you... If you're a smoker, you've got to buy vapes. You've got to buy things to supplement your food, tea, coffee, more milk, cordial juice, whatever it is that you want to buy, wherever your poison is. Obviously, I'm a snacker. Yeah. I like my chocolate. You like your chocolate. You don't mean that, right? That's why I was worried about the breakfast because I'd be binging those Cocoa Pops the night before. Then they'd no be doubt. done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd often eat, often eat them dry out yeah, the pack so I, I could, so I could keep the milk for the for the tea. <laughs> I'd often spoon yeah. the, the, the Cocoa Pops out. That'd be me. <laughs> but, you know, they get £7 and that's got to go for... Phone credit, stamps, vapes, food, milk, tea, coffee, doesn't go far. Doesn't go far at all. And that, that's why you, you see a lot of contraband being exchanged in there because mm -hmm. people just can't afford to live otherwise. Um, and again, that's what makes you see how fortunate you are when it mm -hmm. comes to canteen day and they're, and they're bringing the bags out and giving them out. And you see that, you know, I, I you're limited to what you can spend. You can spend £25 a week of your own money. But come canteen day you know i'd get my bags and my bags are like this and you'd look, and yeah and you'd look down the corridor and it would be you know one pack of vapes in a bag one pack of vapes in a bag 
know, a couple of stamps and a chocolate bar. Sorry, can that make you a target then? Because you've got like, you're like fucking yeah, being cold so, with your, your bag full of goodies and someone else down the corridor has got next to nothing. Completely, yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of theft that happens in there. But the, what they've done to mitigate that is you used to all collectively come downstairs, collect your bags, go back upstairs. Now, yeah. they, now they have the staff deliver it door to door to kind of stop people yeah. from... Yes, yeah, so other people you can't have. really see your so you bags. You can't be targeted, but obviously mm -hmm. you have a you have a flap in your door, yeah. a head height. You know, it's it's thin. Right, look at like a like a six inch ruler. You know, that's like your peeping hole. And if that flap gets left open, you can see. Mm -hmm. So on canteen day, everyone's everyone's at their flap waiting to see when their canteen's getting there because they've mm -hmm. already ran out of everything yeah. that they had. But you can see down the corridor, and you literally see the you know the smallest bags, two stamps and a chocolate bar. Mm -hmm. You know, one box of vapes or you know one box of tea bags and a bottle of juice, and that's what these you know that's what a lot of the people in there have to live off and that again is kind of what gives you perspective i didn't see that in jersey because jersey that was what i was gonna ask you sorry what's the contrast food walton food jersey jersey's phenomenal food there is higher quality and it's there in abundance mm. they, they look after their prisoners there i mean don't get me wrong the prison has a lot of faults in jersey and they underutilize the resources that they've got but no one goes hungry mm -hmm. there's no violence you know, you're in a safe environment and you have the ability to A, get daylight, which you don't in Liverpool. You can exercise and the food is, is decent and you get a prison job by default. And if you don't, if there isn't enough jobs, they will pay you a wage because it's their fault that they can't give you a job. Mm -hmm. Whereas you get to Liverpool and you get no daylight, no vitamin D, poor nutrition, can't get to the gym. So so nutrition wise, that, that that's kind of where you are with Liverpool you know, 1,300, 1,400 calories unless you can supplement with your own money every week. Um, Jersey was much different. You were, you know, you, you were well-fed. You know, it, the climate there is better because it sits about a mile or two off the coast of France. Loads of sun. You know, you're getting plenty of vitamin D, plenty of exercise. Whilst I was in Jersey, I was the gym orderly. So I was in the gym every day with the gym staff. What does that mean? Sorry, gym orderly. So my job in the gym was a, uh, my job in the prison in Jersey was a gym instructor. So if you were new to prison, excuse me, I would give you your your tour around the gym, tell you how to use equipment. I would be the guy you'd come and see as your your first point of call. How do I do this? What can I do to do this better? To kind of, you know, alleviate pressure from the staff. Not that they were under pressure, but it's like, you know, you do yeah. that. I want to sit here and drink coffee. And the gym staff in Jersey, phenomenal. And I knew a couple of them from the time I'd been there before. So when I got there, you know, we, were, we hit it off like a house on fire. Yeah. So you know, I, I had a, I had a I had a good network with the staff and prisoners in Jersey. I, I for what it was, I'd even be tempted to say you know, despite being really really low, there was days where you know I'd be with people for an hour or so and I'd forget where I was. Mm. You know, it's not until you return to the cell and it's like, oh okay, yeah, I'm back mm. in the hole again. But you know that that was great. You know, I put plenty of exercise, good food. Um, where the gyms guarded. Again, that's just me thinking of films where people. You're thinking, you're thinking like Jeffrey Dahmer, aren't you? Where like he's well, going yeah, to the gym it, and bashing But it has happened in. to people. People like smash people with barbells and plates and. What's the other film? But is it obviously guard, guarded? He's throwing plates at people. The Rock, fucking throwing twenty kilo plates at people in the yard. Pain and gain. Yeah, pain and gain. I know they're very Americanized, but film. yeah, great what film. What a, what a film. What a film. Are there guards who are also? Making yes. sure that doesn't happen. Yes. So uh, you have about three prison officers in the gym in Liverpool. I think Jersey had usually two mm -hmm. in a small space and they observe everything because you can't go anywhere without yeah. prison staff. And there was, there's no drama in there. You do get drama in the UK, but it's normally not in the gym. 
Because if it happens in the gym, you're barred from the gym. You don't get your workout, yeah. Ah. So it's usually on the way back from the gym in the corridors is mm. where it would happen. Um, but getting to the gym in Liverpool is a near impossibility. Why? Because they are short-staffed, as you know, all, all public sectors are, um, and they are capped. Now they are capped in terms of capacity still as a as a an overspill of the rules from COVID. You can only have twenty people in there at one time, and each wing has four to five hundred people on it. And everybody wants to go to the gym, even if they don't care about the gym, yeah. because you're out of the cell for an hour. Mm. Same reason so many people will go to the library, but no one will read. What's well, the mental health benefits as well, isn't it? Just you get out and you can socialize. Yeah. yeah, bit of fresh air. You know, you, you're not sitting in your own because there's no windows. You don't get a window in your cell. You do get a window, but it doesn't open. Yeah. So you know, you're just breathing your own. You know, all day long. So any opportunity to get out the cell, be it library, gym, you know, whatever it is, chapel, you, you'll get dozens and dozens of lads who aren't religious in the slightest. They'll go to chapel on a Sunday just because it gets them out, yeah. and they can go like, Ben, put your name down for chapel on Sunday, and I'll see you then. Yeah, and we'll have a catch up. So in Liverpool, the cap to twenty people per session is four hundred odd people on the wing, and it's a. You would think it would be a, a first come fair serve basis but it's very much favoritism now if you're close to a member of staff you're getting top of that list and there's only 20 that can go on there and, and obviously 20 per day or 20 at like one time 20 at one time but you don't usually get one session per day really for each wing because there's so many people yeah. in there yeah and obviously that the guards have their preferences i think you know it any, any system in the world, by, by human nature, we are subject to bias and favoritism, mm -hmm. aren't we? You, 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 you will struggle to find a system that, that you know, isn't influenced in that way. So the lads who are cleaners on the wing, who do the, you know, the mopping of the floors, who work in the savory, people who are out of their cell long enough to build a rapport up with the staff, they'll go top of the list. Mm -hmm. And there's about 15 cleaners on the wing. So straight away, there's 15 out of the 20 gone. Mm -hmm. And then the next five will be friends of the cleaners people who train with the cleaners. So you just don't get a look in. Now I was there for five months and I got to the gym twice. Twice? In twice. Yeah. And how many times did you get in in Jersey? Every day. Every day. In, wow, that must in be Jersey, some you can gym every day. I had football twice a week, table tennis every day, badminton twice a week, basketball once a week. Are you picking up all these sports? Yeah. Oh, loving it, <laughs> loving it. And you get about an hour, an hour and a half on the yard every day as well, in the sun with pull-up stations, dip stations, enough space for you to do laps. So, you know, the you can see why the mental health of those in prison is so, so poor. Well, I wonder how much that plays on reoffending rates as well, because I'm sure in the UK we have the highest reoffending rate of any, any country in the world. And I wonder how much the, all these little kind of elements pile up with that we do and we also have the highest prison population per capita in the world so we lock more people up than anybody even even more than the us unless the us have surpassed us now i know it was close yeah. maybe that maybe the higher i don't know but i'm pretty sure pit population we we we, mm -hmm. we incarcerate more people than any other country I'm sure carl can find out yeah fact fact check me please carl um it's close regardless now, the reoffending rate in our country, it sits at about 55%, I think, at last check. Now, that's just those that get caught. Mm -hmm. So if 55% we know for sure will reoffend, how many are still committing crimes and aren't being caught? You, you could probably say reasonably that's up to 70, 75, maybe even 80%. And that's because there's no rehabilitation whatsoever. There's no reform. 
you're put in there to fester. And if you if you take a, a small level drug dealer, someone who sells, I don't know, a few hundred pounds worth of cannabis every, every week, and that's, you know, he and he just happens to know a guy from school who we can buy that kind of quantity off, and that's how he does his thing. He gets arrested. You put him in jail for three months because he's been caught with a small quantity. Okay, well, now he's on a wing with some of the biggest drug traffickers and gangsters in the country. Networking central. Networking central, yeah. It's just a university for criminals. You've taken a small-time guy and you put him on a wing with violent criminals, with gangsters, with with you know big-time importers, and he's now got access to everything. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in place for him to come out of prison and say, "Okay, well, I've learned this skill. You know, I can go into this job." All you've done is give him more reason to do exactly what he was doing before, and, and even more. And that's what's dangerous, yeah. And and the and the problem with local prisons and with with Liverpool especially, you could be in prison for unpaid fines. You could be doing three weeks for unpaid fines. You could be put in a cell with somebody who's in for murder. And you'd be on a bunk bed with someone who's looking at 30 years for murder. And you're in three weeks for unpaid fines. And that is terrifying that there's no there's no separation mm-hmm. of violent and nonviolent crimes, you know, long sentences, short sentences. And that all plays into, you know, how much you would struggle to do anything progressive in there whatsoever and you know it's no surprise if you you visit a prison for a day it is absolutely no surprise why so many go on to re-offend because they're not given any skills they're not given any incentive they're not given any education you know to 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 come out and say right well i can do things better Mm. you're just stripped of your dignity you you know you're stripped of the ability to to educate yourself you're given nothing there's no education there's no employment there's there's absolutely nothing so when we're you know when we're so surprised oh we need we need stronger prison sentences. We need higher prison sentence prison sentences. Well, we don't. We just need to take a better approach mm-hmm. to reform, which is what they do in, in like Scandinavia. You know, yeah. That that entire structure over there, they focus on rehabilitation rather than punishment. And the entire concept of prison is you going to prison is your punishment. You being removed from society. You know, you having your civil liberties taken away from you. That is the punishment. Whilst you're in prison in prison that's meant to be your reform yeah and that's where you're meant to be made into something better than what you were when you entered in the uk you sent to prison for punishment and while you're in prison you're punished yeah and then people come out and we wonder why they go back to it's it's funny that isn't it because one of the biggest things i took away from doing uh, a levels and uh, degree in psychology and criminology is that punishment doesn't work it doesn't p- p- people with punishment generally and this is why with the same thing with the death sentence and there's no there's some states still in america which has it is that the thing that punishment does is make people more witty and wise so that they don't get punished so that they get away with it um because even when you punish children and you smack children it doesn't work in terms of behavior change there needs to be more there in the way of us forming and changing past behavior and present and future behaviors education education is 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 the one it will always be the one and we are we're an incentive based species we we need to know that if we do x y and z right we'll we'll get this at the end and and we don't incentivize anybody in prison to be better other than the obvious we'll put you in prison we'll Mm -hmm. put you in prison we'll put you in prison okay great well i get out of prison now say so you, so you, you're Joe Bloggs. I've gone to prison for three years for selling drugs. Okay, fine. I'm in prison. I've lost everything because I'm in prison. I've defaulted on my mortgage. I've lost my house. My wife's left me. She's taken the kids. I've got no job, no partner. 
I haven't got any skills. I've come out of prison. I've got no money, no accommodation, you know, no qualifications. No job will take me on. I can't even get a job at McDonald's because I've got no qualifications. I've got to declare the fact I've been to prison. I can't get a job, but I've just been in prison and I've met X, Y, and Z who can provide me with a certain product that I can sell and make a good profit on. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 the majority of people, it's easy to say, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's back in prison. What an idiot. But a, a lot of these people genuinely don't have an obvious alternative. You come out with nothing. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that you can do, because when, you know, when some of my, my best friend was away and he come out and he must have applied for 40, 50 jobs. And he got knocked back on everyone because he did what he felt was, or what he was told was the right thing. He declared the fact he just got out of prison. Mm. And he's one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. And eventually I, I had to give him a job because he couldn't get a job anywhere else simply because he'd been to prison. Yeah. And and that's how people end up back in that situation. If he, if he hadn't had a friend who could offer him a job, what does he left to do? Is he stay on benefits yeah. or does he go back to what he knows is going to make him some money? And yeah. it, you know, it, 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 it's sad to see that. So people come out, no opportunities, their health is battered, they've been subject to poor nutrition for a year, two years, three years, you've had no daylight, no exercise. And as I say, we see the health implications now of what lockdown's done to the Mm -hmm. country. It has absolutely ravaged the health system and continues to do so because of what it's done, Mm -hmm. because of what inactivity's done, because of what poor nutrition's done, because of what isolation does. And we're all now sort of coming out of the other side of it. And we're now hyper-conscious of, of what impact stuff like that has. But then we have people coming out of prison who've gone through that experience 10 times more intense. And we're expecting them to come out and, and just be these reformed characters mm-hmm. without any assistance whatsoever. And that is a failure, or at least in my opinion, is a failure on, on our behalf mm-hmm. as society. We should be doing more to prevent that kind of thing happening. Don't get me wrong. I think for... St- in some occasions, I can see 100% why it happened. Because if I was the victim of a crime where, like, someone I knew had been raped or killed uh, or so- something horrible or paedophile, I'd be like, fucking throw away the key. Because there's some horrible people who I think deserve to have that oh, thrown sure. at them. But I-, I do agree in terms of what you're saying with reform because of why. But it's just going to, for people who are in there for minor crimes or, or crimes non- that don't. Non violent. Yeah, non violent crimes, should, should I say. Where's the incentive to be anything else but or go back back into that and one of the things that i know you mentioned we were chatting earlier on <laughs> you must be one of the only people that, who's designed the inside of a gym and opened it from a prison cell <laughs> and because because talk to us about you obviously have you almost like ran your business from it businesses from in there and also uh, kind of tell the people about you were telling me before what the opportunity that was lost just on the brink before that as well yeah so so well, before we jump onto the gym situation, yeah, the, the biggest the biggest loss in terms of business, which at the time compared to everything else was was kind of irrelevant, but in, in hindsight, this you know, it really hurt. We had obviously the clothing brand that I've had for over ten years now, Raw Iron. We were partway through brokering a deal with JD Sports to have the brand featured in I think initially it was gonna be one store in London, one store up north, and they're sample their their first initial sample order was like hundreds of thousands of pounds and you know they were keen you know they liked the brand they liked the quality they they really liked the guy that i had managing the brand you know they they liked my image they liked what i stood for you know when we were brokering this deal and everything looked absolutely fantastic and then three or four weeks into my sentence i was up for a, a up for bail again 
and the press were in the room. And ITV ran with the headline, uh, they put my name in there, whatever else, um, charged with money laundering and drug trafficking. Now, ITV ran with this article. Now, bearing in mind, I was not charged with money laundering, but ITV have listed that I've been charged with money laundering and drug trafficking. So not only did it imply that I'd been laundering money, it also gave no context to the time. So JD have seen that and gone, whoa. Wash hands. Yeah, we're out. We're, we're taking a big step back here, which, you know, we, efforts were made to try and explain to them what was really going on. But from a prison cell, trying to trying to explain that, oh, hang on, I haven't been arrested for money laundering. Mm. You know, it, yes, it is drug trafficking. Yes, I did play a part in it. You know, I, I, I did facilitate putting two people in touch with each other. Yes, it was four years ago. I've never hidden my past. No, I, I've been open about that from day one. It's not something I'm proud of, but I am proud of where I am today. So I think it's mm -hmm. it's it's in, it's an important part of the journey that I've been on. So JD took a step back and that was after 10 years of developing the brand, that kind of felt like this is it. You know, it, it's, it's going to make it. Mm -hmm. It had done really, really well in through the, you know, just before COVID and through COVID with all the exposure, it done phenomenally well. And this kind of felt like the first bit of recognition of, it's a real brand and we're getting real recognition yeah. here. Like this is, you know, this, this, this felt absolutely great. Um, well, I'm sure they must've been looking at it for like a, a streetwear brand as JD is. They're looking at you as this reformed character as almost a, uh, like a role model for those type of yeah, the story. shoppers who, who go to JD, if that makes sense, and almost like an idol and role model for them. It, it, it fits with JD as a brand, yeah. doesn't it? They, 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 they portray themselves as a bit of a, a street brand. You know, they're down with the kids. They're in with the teenagers. Yeah. Like, and it all fitted perfectly. And that that's kind of what upset me because it's like, hang on, this is from years ago. This is, yeah. what, this is kind of what you liked about my story, but just because there's a, a little bit of bad press. um, So we, we lost that. And, you know, just to expand on on the press situation, when I when I eventually got sentenced in the January in court that day, the chief editor of the Jersey Evening Post had attended and he, the headline that they ran with, bearing in mind they were in court, so they heard the details. The headline that they ran with was reformed trafficker jailed for years old offense. Completely accurate. And it went on to say that I had references from politicians and barristers, doctors, like all the work that I'd done. Um, that was a super honest reflection of what had actually happened in court. The following day, the Liverpool Echo run with an entirely different title, Anti-Lockdown Gym Boss Exposed as Professional Drug Dealer. Saw that one, yeah. So this, these are two newspapers reporting the exact same story. One says, Reformed Trafficker Jail for Years Old Offense. Liverpool Echo runs with Anti-Lockdown Gym Boss Exposed as Professional Drug Dealer. I mean, bearing in mind that the term anti-lockdown, none of us were anti-lockdown, we were pro-science. Yeah. And... The science indicated that lockdown for any prolonged state of time, you know, as said the World Health Organization and every other well-established body was saying, you should never, ever, ever, ever apply a long-term lockdown as, as some kind of response to a pandemic. You just shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. for, for, for what it was originally intended to be, a, a, what was it, two weeks or three weeks mm -hmm. to flatten the curve as a circuit breaker, sure, let it serve its purpose. For a long period of time, which they're all coming out and saying now, Fauci said the same. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the UK politicians have now changed their tune, and they're they're agreeing with what was already obvious. 
But to call me anti-lockdown in a, in a negative context, when you've got all the leading health bodies in the world who were saying the exact same thing, but they've used that term to try and yeah. demonize me, paint this picture of anti-lockdown. I think everyone was. I fucking was. I yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Jim Boss. Yeah. I've got business director. Yeah. Like Jim Boss, do you know what I mean? Could it sound any seedier and then exposed as professional drug dealers? So it makes it sound like I've been going, fuck the law, fuck lockdown. I'm, I'm gonna, and I'm what's, sell- a, what's a professional drug dealer, by the way? Well, by, by definition, if you're a yeah. drug dealer, yeah. If I if I if if I have anything here right now, if I sell you a bit of sugar and you give me five pound for the for the for the sugar, that's professional. There's yeah. been an exchange of services for money. I am a professional sugar yeah. salesman. So every yeah. single drug dealer, by definition, is professional. Yeah. But again, the, the 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 language choices there were clearly yeah. designed to vilify. Do you know what I mean? They were they were trying to make paint me out as this bad guy and wherever I felt let down by Liverpool Echo there, and then because they're owned by. And if it's Mirror Group or Trinity Group, whatever it is, who also own the Star and a few others, they then jump off the back of the Liverpool Echo thing and mimic that same yeah. article. So you had the Telegraph, the Star, the Mirror, Lad Bible, the whole lot jumped on the back of this Liverpool Echo thing. And I'm like, well, you know, you've just undone so much of the good work that I've done. Yeah. And and that 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 was the that was the press and that was the the raw iron situation with JD and. The second gym we opened, I'd literally just put the paint on the walls in the second gym that we were opening the week before I got arrested. So I had to orchestrate that whilst inside. And luckily, whilst you're on remand, so before you've been found guilty, you can legally operate a business from within prison. So I was spending four, five, six hours a day on the phone drawing out plans and you know where where I want this machine and that machine everything else I'm and my staff I, I honestly couldn't thank them enough you know and your OCD is, is with I am with, with yeah. machines where plots things my place. my it, well, yeah you seen the other day in Chester yeah. I was like yeah this isn't a straight line this needs yeah. to be moved a few mil this way yeah, yeah. like and, and they know that I'm like that so obviously they're under a lot of pressure and I was in a bad space anyway and I'm spending four five six hours a day on the phone to Kyle who was you know he was yeah. being my my you know the, the boots on the ground the voice for me and it took a huge toll on him and you know they they pulled it out the bag and the the, the new gym is beautiful and you know we eventually did get it open in the november i think and that's been really successful since and we're looking at site three and four now and it wasn't easy and it wasn't easy on the people around me and the the worst part of that is i'd obviously despite the fact that it come late and i'd been over punished for what it was i was guilty of that crime Mm -hmm. and i you know the 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 suffering there was self-inflicted if i had just said no I wouldn't have been in that position, yeah. but obviously the other people that suffered, my family, Kyle, you know, my other staff, Andy, Paul, my little brother, Thomas, Jade, they all suffered with me and they've done nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's the hardest part to see, do you know what I mean? To see it affecting other people's, not only are you feeling sorry for yourself, you then have the guilt on top of that for how much other people are suffering around you. And that that's that's a tough pill to swallow, mm-hmm. but they... You know, everybody did the the very best that they could do. And I, I said this to the staff at the time, you know, they said, oh, you're not going to like this or maybe we haven't done this right. I said, it doesn't matter. You've done your best. Mm-hmm. I can't ask any more of you than your best. And I probably don't even deserve that much for putting us all in this position. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So the fact that they went above and beyond and did everything that they did, you know, they, they, they've, I mean, they already have my eternal gratitude, yeah. but they have it now tenfold. Yeah, I can vouch for them now because we've been to the gym plenty of times, mate. It's a, it's yeah. a lovely space. I know that, you are pushed for time so i think what we'll end with is i'll let you pick the first ones lucy we'll do some kind of quick fire ones because we've had some questions from our listeners whilst we've been podcasting i, I don't know if carl's got something that he wanted to 
to share on screen as well there. Uh, I just saw you playing around on Google. No, 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 no. Just, no he's no. playing Tetris. He's, yeah, he's, he's just, just, he's just, he's just bored. Listen to me. Yeah. Is it is it quick fire? Is and quick, you just have to fire, say it. Quick fire, quick fire round question. Um, no pressure. How do you make best use of your time in there? Ooh, ooh. Come on, Nick. You, do, you don't. You don't. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. You don't. You Rubik's cube. Don't. There you go. Rubik's yeah. cube. Worst best meal inside. So we'll do both Liverpool and Jersey. Ooh, ooh. Worst and best meal. Uh, can't be really boring again. I'd probably say they were all pretty terrible. But uh, <laughs> on a Saturday, they go a little bit over, so they spend a little bit more of the budget because you get like a really poor tea of, a, of an evening on Saturday. So on Saturday, you get sort of like a small fry up. You get like a sausage and a piece of bacon, and sometimes they give bread out. So that's a big deal. So you can have a sausage butty, and that's like you wait all week for Saturday. Yeah. You wait all week for Saturday morning. Normally, I, I wasn't even waking up to go to lunch because it wasn't even worth going down yeah. five floors. I just eat yeah. my own porridge or whatever. But on a Saturday. I was up. I was up, and I was in that queue, and I was ready with my plate like Oliver Twist, like, and I'd linger. I'd linger till the very end of the queue, just in case there was any extras. So I'd be like delaying. Christmas dinner? Nothing. No, 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 no. no. Because all all the staff are off because it's a a public sector, isn't it? So you, I mean, you get you get a a small chicken leg with some vegetables, but it's yeah, you wouldn't write home about it. Uh, Right, Nick, I've got a question. Um, Midway through your sentence, if you could have ordered one thing off Amazon to pass the time, what would it be? Oh, what a great question that is. Oh, my days. Anything whatsoever. Say under 50 quid. Oh, okay. So or say under 100. You've just, okay. taken my, you've, just, you've just taken my iPhone off me, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. uh, Sega Mega Drive, maybe? Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sega, Sega Mega, Mega Drive. Drive? Come on, Luce, get on it. Oh, you might be too young. I actually don't know what Mega Drive. Lucy Davis. Wow. Wow. Mega Drive. It's beyond You'll your time, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good is. job this is at the end of the podcast because yeah. I'd probably Mega walk drive. out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my I days. thought you would have said you wanted a chessboard. Oh. To play with who? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could play with yourself. No, you could cannot. You not? No, you, you could. Lucy Davis, what are you talking about? You no. play chess by yourself. Tactically, you could. She's watching Harry Potter, yes. They make words playing Potter, Wizards Chess. Wizards Chess. Yeah. Okay, this is actually a very good question, I think, to finish this wonderful podcast on. I've got another one, so let's keep going. Go, go, go. Well, was it worth it? Oh, wow. Definitely it? not. Never in a million years was it worth it. The if first you... time was worth it. In, and... the, in the sense of, was it worth me committing the crime to go to jail? Or was it worth, was the sentence worth I anything? Think the sentence, was the sentence worth F- it? First time, sentence was definitely necessary. If I hadn't gone to jail at the time that I did, I'd end up shot, jet, shot, shot dead or in jail for mm-hmm. a significantly longer period of time. And I am very, very, very grateful that I got arrested when I did. Uh, the first time round. This time round, there was nothing positive to come of it. it. Destroyed my relationships, impacted my business, destroyed my mental health. Um, all because I said yes to a conversation where I should have just said no. And it cost me financially a lot of money for a situation where I didn't make any money because I was just putting two people mm-hmm. together. So mm-hmm. no, it definitely was not worth it. And I don't think a lot of people realize the sentences that come with what they do. And a lot of people who sell drugs or whatever else you work out what they've made over a year and they're pretty much on a minimum wage job. And if they get caught doing that, they're going to lose five years at a time. And what, what, what I say to people that I meet who are doing that kind of lifestyle, I'm like, listen, how much do you make per year? Oh, well, I make more than I was working in my last job. Okay. So when you get sentenced to five years, you then have to work out how much money you've lost that you would have, would have had in a minimum wage job over five years and then do the math. Mm-hmm. Then is it worth it? 
And chances are, almost always, it's not. It isn't. Last two questions. First, I know, yeah. First, first, first thing you did when you came out slash et. Ooh, mm. ooh, ooh. Last time, the first thing I ate on the first sentence was a Frankie and Benny's, and I cried through the entire really? meal. Yeah. Uh, this time round, I think it was a Starbucks. Yeah, Sean. Starbucks. Sean picked me up outside Liverpool, um, outside the thing, and he brought me a Costa or a Starbucks. And it's the first time I'd had that amount of caffeine in so long. You wired, <laughs> wired, and I ate nothing for the rest of the day. And then, really? I, cr then I crashed, and then I ate a, a, a ton of chocolate in the evening. Nice. That was a needs must. Nick, you said you were picked up. Were you picked up in like a Ford Fiesta? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a Rolls Royce and a Lamborghini. So, yeah. you know, leave with a bang. Nice. And then final question, mate. And I guess it's quite a. It's probably going to be a longer winded answer, but I'll let you turn out how. How do is mental health support or how is mental how health supported in prisons? Yeah. Is it accessible? It is not. There is a mental health service in prison, but even if you get time to see them, there is nothing that they can do. They can't arrange counseling for you because, I mean, trying to trying to see a therapist on the NHS outside of prison, you're on a waiting list for like mm -hmm. two years. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of mental health issues in there. There's a lot of suicide attempts in there. There's some really graphic suicide attempts in there and it, it's horrific and they do absolutely nothing to, to mitigate that whatsoever. And it, it's just one of them things. You, 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 you know, any any concerns fall on deaf ears and shy of you actually trying to kill yourself, you just get forgotten about. And even when you do within two days of you having that kind of incidence, you just forgotten about again. And that, that, that that's what's sad because there are a lot of, there are, believe it or not, a lot of, a fair amount of really, really good people in prison who have just made mis genuine mistakes in their lives and they really need that support, but they often get lost amongst all the other nonsense that's in mm -hmm. there and they and they really, really do suffer. So all, all, all I would say to that is if anybody who is listening who does know somebody, friend or family who's in prison, make the effort to write them an email. It takes all, it takes all of a minute, maybe two minutes, and it makes the world of difference to know that you have somebody outside who cares about you. And that can do more for you than any mental health service within prison can. It's just a simple letter. Lovely. Well, Nicholas, my man, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, we really, we really appreciate, appreciate it. It was a great podcast today. again. And thank, thank you, you for being open and honest with us as well. Thank you for your hospitality. Well, I'm looking forward to see the positive changes that you're going to make moving forward. Now, where can people see... And hear more about that. That would just be my Instagram. That's at Nick Capo underscore underscore. I'm pretty much away from all of the social medias at the minute. Mm -hmm. Best for my zen. Cool. <laughs> well, thank you again to today's sponsor, Spruce. I've just have you noticed how much I've just yeah, been sniffing on this the whole That's day? Nice. Is that why you're twitching? Because you need a little girl's room. I do as well. need. I do need a wee. I, I do need a little wee. It matches your sweatshirt as well. So it, it does. It works. Love thank that. you, everyone who's listening. Again, I've looked over the podcast stats. And there is 70% of the people who watched last week's episode were not subscribed. So On please, YouTube. YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. It's not good enough. Yeah. No, it's not good tuts, enough. Tuts. Shocking. <laughs> but please, please subscribe to the channel because it means we can get more great guests like Nick on. If you're watching anywhere else, please leave reviews on is it apple and spotify apple and spotify and subscribe wherever you can. It's yeah. all different amongst if all you of pop, them. Pop it on story, tag myself, Lucy, not so fit couple, and Nick on the, the story. Uh, reshare because we will reshare them. Sorry. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah, we'll catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye, guys.